Hello, friends. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the First Loved Podcast. Recently, I received an email from the pastor of a church that I was at back in June, and he was all excited to share with me the fact that they're continuing to walk in the things that they were trained to do, continuing to encourage the church. It was such a nice email to find out that it wasn't just a weekend thing for many, that they're still walking, pursuing, talking about. So he found himself wanting to preach out of 1 Corinthians 14.1, and he wrote out in the email the Greek meaning of this word, and especially when it's in the imperative, not that you need to know, but it's diokete. He looked it up, and it said, pursue love. And I thought, really? I've known that verse all my life in the NIV. And the NIV says, follow the way of love and eagerly desire the gifts of the Spirit, especially prophecy. Follow the way of love. Peter and I were talking about this too, that follow it has a sense of passiveness. Even though it's an imperative, it's a directive, do this. But follow just doesn't have this word of going after, pursuing, striving. And so I actually looked it up myself as well, and sure enough, the actual words in the Greek dictionary were to pursue, strive for, seek after, aspire to. So hear Paul, and maybe hear God through Paul. Pursue love, strive for love, seek after love, aspire to love. And as I was just meditating on that and the stuff that he shared in his email, it made me think about the fact that these are very intentional words. These are words that have this idea of you are aiming for, focused on, driven toward. I actually looked it up in my dad's commentary, and he also noted the fact that it's a present imperative, which implies continuous action. So in other words, it's not just pursue love. He wrote, keep on pursuing love. Like this is a present imperative. Every moment of every day, keep on pursuing love. Stay focused. Go for it. Strive toward. Well, as I was thinking about this, I thought, what would be an image for this? And two thoughts came to mind. I'm curious what might have come to yours, but the primary one was like a bloodhound. You've seen movies perhaps when they're out searching for um, an escape prisoner or something or whatever, but that they would, you know, put an article of clothing or something, let the dog sniff it. And you've seen it, right? You've seen these dogs barking, yelping, and dragging the owners behind in pursuit, seeking after. And they are just driven, 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 and yanking them along until they find the person that they've got the scent of. Another one was even sometimes, again, I enjoy movies, so that's often kind of where my head goes. But the other one was that there's times when private investigators or even people themselves, that they have this issue where they just won't give up. They just won't quit, that there's something inside that says, no, there's something, this is off or wrong, or I know there's an explanation and I'm not satisfied, I'm not going to give up. And they just pursue, pursue, pursue. So this idea of keep on pursuing, like that dog sniffing out trying to find that person. Paul is giving us this sense of pursue, go after, strive for, aspire to, love. And my friend, pastor friend who wrote this, he actually 
said, Mark, does it mean pursue love, meaning pursue God's love, pursue being loved by him, as well as loving one another? Well, probably in that moment, Paul probably didn't have that in mind. But on the other hand, remember in Ephesians 3, 16 through 19, but especially 17 through 19, where Paul is praying, where he says, I know that you're rooted and grounded in love, but I'm praying that the Spirit would give you the ability, the power to grasp and to know how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Jesus, to know this love that surpasses knowledge until you are filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Based on that, I'd have to believe that we could easily hear, I mean, Paul would go, well, that too, even if it might not have been what he was writing about in the moment. But the sense of pursue love, which of course the whole thing I've tried to stress for years, oh, that you would wake up every day and just put the circle that we use in the material or however you want to write it, but every day your eyes would land on the goal is to be loved and to love as and because loved. Be loved and love as loved, love because you've first been loved, but it's about loving and it's about being loved. So pursue the love of God. Pursue loving God, pursue being loved by God, and then pursue loving one another like that dog, where again, the NIV's version of follow the way, it just seems a little too passive. It doesn't have that kind of you're fixed on, focused, you have an aim, you have a passion, and you're going after this thing for all your worth. Well, I was grateful to my friend for drawing my attention to that verb and that, yeah, it's just one more support. I was telling Peter today, I wished I'd actually seen that earlier because I would have loved to stick that in my thesis because once again, Paul's the one who is an advocate for love over and over and over in his letters, almost more so than Jesus. And here's one more instance where he's saying, pursue love, pursue love, seek after love. So the fun thing then was that I also looked up several other verses where that verb occurred. And I want to just share a couple. 1 Thessalonians 5.15, Paul said, See that no one repays another with evil for evil, but always seek after, pursue, strive for that which is good for one another and for all people. When our natural instinct is to want to repay, here Paul is saying, don't do that. Instead, and I think again, prayerfully, we'd have to ask for the empowering of the Holy Spirit that always, which also in the Greek means always, seek after, pursue that which is good for one another and for all people. Another one is Romans 14, 19, where the church is in conflict over food, and some are judging one another, others are holding others in contempt, and Paul's trying to help them sort this thing out. And at the end, though, he says this, so then, we pursue the things, we seek after, strive for the things which make for peace and the building up of one another. Again, you just can't get past the sense that this is not passive. This is not on occasion. This is something that is, that is a target. It's a goal. It's an aim. It's a focus that all the time we're trying to pursue the things, pursue a way of talking, communicating, working things out that lead to peace and build up one another. But here was another very interesting thing. 
I also found the word in this sentence, 1 Peter 5.8. Be of sober spirit. Be on alert. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking, pursuing someone to devour. Think about that. Think about a roaring lion. You know, I don't know if a lot of you know this, but when lions sleep some ridiculous amount, and I didn't check this out, but I think in things that I've read and watched, I think lions sleep close to 20 hours a day. It's crazy. And so you don't hear a sound out of them. They're roaring when they are hungry. And when they are hungry, they are in this pursuit to get that hunger met, and they will not quit until they get some food. Well, just imagine that the devil is after your life with that kind of intensity, that kind of striving for, seeking after. And I thought, wow, let's not let the enemy outdo us in terms of this word. And even be aware, he's not passive. He is after you. He wants you. He desires you. He wants to consume you, mess you up. He's against you. And his energy level, his focus, his aim and target is like that roaring lion, is like that bloodhound after you. So again, we have a similar animal image. So he says, be alert and be sober. And I'm telling you, sometimes I really forget about the enemy. The need probably to be better about saying the Lord's Prayer every day because he always reminds us, deliver us from the evil one, that there is an evil one who is seeking after and pursuing us and need to be sober and alert and aware of his schemes and whatever. But maybe now this will also cause me to let that word trigger, but in the positive sense, pursue. Seek after peace and building one another up. Pursue, seek after love. Pursue, seek after doing good to one another and all people. Yeah. The second part of this verse says, pursue love. And then secondly, he says, desire earnestly the gifts of the Spirit, especially that you may prophesy. Now, what's interesting is that this second verb, desire earnestly, has a similar kind of feel to it, only in this case especially, it's, I think, probably, I don't know, maybe there are some synonyms. Because in the Greek dictionary, this too said to strive, desire, or exert oneself earnestly. Crazy, right? Exert oneself earnestly. The things, the gifts of the Spirit, the matters of the Spirit, which I'm surprised they keep using the word gift, because I did research that a little bit today and realized there is a word for gift in the Greek that's used a number of times, especially primarily about the gift of the Holy Spirit. But in this case, that word isn't used. It really means more about the matters or the things of the Spirit. In chapter 12, when the translators write um, the gifts of the Spirit, charismata, in its literal sense, it means the graces of the Spirit. And so I didn't find the word gift in any of those chapters. And in this case, Paul switches over not to the pursue, eagerly desire the charismata of the Spirit, but the things of the Spirit. So I'm not sure quite what he was after, but the focus of this chapter is on prophecy in tongues. And especially, he wants you to desire prophecy, which at the very end of the chapter, 1439, one verse before the end, Paul says, therefore, my brothers and sisters, desire earnestly to prophesy. 
and do not forbid speaking in tongues. You know, especially for those of you that don't speak in tongues and have never prophesied, do you have that kind of earnest desire striving for again and i don't know how much of this is both emotion that that comes out in action where you would say boy that guy really wants that because you watch somebody's behavior which of course is revealing to us what's in their emotion in their mind that i've got to get that i've got to have that well i just thought lord how many of us seriously how many of us are pursuing love and eagerly desiring, and especially not just tongues and prophecy, but he, he's saying especially prophecy because of what it does to edify and build up. And not that tongues can't either, but prophecy is a gift from the Spirit that is directed toward people. The gift of tongues and interpretation is often referred to as prayer language because Paul explicitly calls it, sometimes I pray in tongues and sometimes I pray with my mind. So somehow it's language and a gift directed toward God and that we pray to God, we utter mysteries to God. But the fact that Paul would use such a strong verb, an imperative, eagerly desire these things. How many of us really, really do that? And particularly because prophecy especially blesses the whole body, right? If you get the gift of healing, there's a few people that get blessed. But prophecy, prophecy could bless everybody. Well, I just want to challenge you on that too, because these words seem to be very, very similar. There is a sense of something internal in your mind and heart that you value something, you feel something, but it comes out in your words and actions. Are we that way about love? But then he uses this similar verb about the things of the Spirit. And in particular, the two things he's going to focus on is the gift of tongues and the gift of prophecy. Well, I want to finish this out with a story in our church our pastor was actually talking about this very thing in this very passage. And he had somebody come up and share. And it's been too long now. I don't remember all the exact details other than the fact that the gal who got up there and shared, she had this stuff written in her journal a year ago. And in the journal, she had noticed in Isaiah 54, I don't remember what exact verse, but that it referred to gems, but not diamonds. And she was just kind of bothered, like, God, I love diamonds, though. And, you know, in our culture, they're hugely valuable. And she shared specifically three different occasions. People, random people at different places, not even in our own church, came up to her and said, you know, I don't know why, but I feel like the Lord's given me this sense, like there's something in Isaiah 54. <laughs> you should read this. And she's like, wait, what? And one person explicitly said, the Lord's told me, that he sees you like a diamond, a precious, beautiful diamond. Blew her out of the water. Well, I'm telling you, as a church, we're all sitting there going, huh? God, that is so cool. Well, then, though, where I'm going with this is not only was it encouraging for her, it edified the whole church to help us recognize once again that in prophecy, so many times it's God letting us know specifically that he knows about us. He knows our heart, our minds, our lives and addresses them in a very specific, only known to him and us way. Well, the cool part was at the end of it, though, he says, so we're going to practice. And you could feel the tension in the room like, okay, how are we going to do that? Well, he'd left a small piece of paper on our chairs. He says, I want you to take that piece of paper. He says, what I'd like you to do is I'd like you to put your name on one side and then on the blank side, 
He said, I want you to just sit and pause for the next minute or two, and whatever thought comes into your mind, you're going to pray, write it down. And so we did that. And the crazy part, because he was talking about prophecy and he brought up this one specific verse, I remembered some of those same kind of prophetic moments and hearing that gal's testimony where God has spoken to me that concretely, that clearly about things in my life. And what came to mind that moment was when he'd said to me that this ministry was legitimate. It wasn't third generation, second generation, it was first generation. And I'd been struggling for my father to validate me and others to validate And the Lord just spoke through this person, Mark, the Lord's telling me one word, legitimate. You are legitimate. The ministry is legitimate. Be at peace, something to that effect. Well, that popped into my mind. I'm going, but God, that's what you said to me. Well, I just thought, we only have a few minutes. So I wrote down, you are legitimate. The Lord knows when you were born. He saw you before you were born. He still has purpose for your life. So I wrote X amount of sentences. and, And then what we were supposed to do was pass it, and everybody had to pass it to three or four or five different people. And then at one point he said, stop passing, turn it over and read it, and see if it's from the Lord for you. Now, our belief was that no matter what anybody wrote, it would still be good. And he said, the final default, if you can't think of anything else, just write a scripture. So I didn't know who got it until the guy came to me and said, how did that work? Because somehow I knew he had mine. But Robin and I had to leave early because we had to go somewhere that afternoon. So we cut out when they were singing the final song. Well, I wanted so bad to find out if it meant anything to him. I saw his daughter at a prayer time later that week. And I said, hey, you know, did that thing have any meaning to your dad? And she goes, it was so funny because he first said, no. And then my mother looked at him and said, honey, are you insane? Your father used to say all the time, you were illegitimate. You were illegitimate. He believed your mother had an affair and that you weren't his child. How could you not think this was meaningful? He said, well, eventually my dad stopped saying that, but maybe the Lord wants you to know that he knew and saw this and that if you ever had any questions or doubt. And she was like ecstatic sitting in her chair, like the Lord would say this thing to her, right? And then I saw him a couple weeks later in church, and I said, so I heard that. He said, yeah. He says, I, I just didn't get it. And then once my wife told me, of course, I needed to hear that from the Lord. And even that, to just encourage you, that sometimes when we receive things from people or you give things to people, they often don't register right away. And it doesn't mean that you didn't hear the Lord, that the thought wasn't from Him. But I'm telling you, it put this incredible desire in us as a church to go, can we do this regularly? Would you pass out those pieces of paper and maybe once a month on testimony, we would do it and just keep practicing. And it created an eager desire because you saw that the blessing it was both to the one sharing and the one receiving. So I just want to encourage you, eagerly desire prophecy. Eagerly desire the things of the Spirit. Pursue love. Let's not be passive. Let's be like that bloodhound, like the roaring lion after these two things. God bless you and have a great day.